Hebrews 7, 11 through 28. If you're new to us, we are working our way through the book of Hebrews. For our Sunday morning sermons, and we are in Hebrews 7, 11 through 28. Let me read that, and we'll pray and get started. Starting in verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has, made, who has been made perfect forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us. We have a lot to look into this morning. We pray that you would help us um, to understand your word, help us to believe it, help us to submit to it, help us to find great joy in it, help us to find great abiding joy in your Son. We thank you for His Gospel. We thank you for the good news that Christ became man. He took on flesh to come and ransom us. We thank you for that. pray that you'd help us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. When I was a kid, 
um, someone, when a, someone in authority uh, would, say, would say to me, here's what we're going to do. They would say, here's what we're going to do. They would be like the, the teacher or the parent, or the, they, would be, they would be in charge, and they would say, here's what we're going to do. I would say, why? I always said, why? That was, I, that's because it's the best question. And so I would say, why? And if, I, and if, if they gave me some sort of response, like, because I said so, or that's just what we're going to do, or I'll explain it to you when you're older, or something like that, in my head, I would think, all right, well, I'm not going to do that. Not because I had good reason to disobey. They didn't have good reason for me to obey. So forget them. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, it's never worked out well for me, by the way. I'm not recommending this. Um, but I do see it in my own children as well. Here's what we're going to do. You, can't, you, you can watch that. You can't watch this. Why can't I? Well, you just can't. That's not good enough. We're going to do this. Why are we going to do that? We just, we just are. I'm, just, I'm, I'm dad, and you're, just, you're the kid, so we're just doing it. Just stop asking questions. That those, my, my children want to know why we're doing what we're doing, why we're not doing what we're not doing. And then they get it from me. I always wanted to know as well. And so I do try to have logical reasons when I, when I talk about stuff with my children. I do try to say to them, here's why we're doing it. Now, Sometimes they don't like my reasons, right? Sometimes, sometimes they really aren't old enough to understand them, and sometimes they're just feeling particularly immature or rebellious, and they don't like them. They, they understand them, they just don't like it. Sometimes I'm too te- tired and irritable to, to explain it. And sometimes my reasons really aren't that good. So it's far from a foolproof system. Um, but but it, it's good. It's good when you have the opportunity to, to explain why you're doing what you're doing. You, you should, this morning, have a pretty good reason, a pretty good, a pretty good rationale for why you're doing what you're doing. The author of Hebrews is all about this as well. He knows that he's asking a lot of these first century Jewish Christians. He knows that he's asking a lot. He knows that, that because they have believed the gospel and because they are following Jesus and because they have turned their back on the Old Testament priesthood, he, he knows that they are under incredible pressure from their family, he, he, from their friends. He knows, and, and, and not just their like, Jewish family and friends, but also like the, the Roman government, the, the powers that be, they would think that any kind of monotheism is stupid. Any kind of belief, worship of God is dumb. That's, that's pointless and, and dumb. And so there'd be pressure from just like the Roman world, but then there's also pressure from the Jewish world because the Jewish world is saying, you, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. You've abandoned the priesthood, so you've abandoned God. And so the author of Hebrews knows that these first century Jewish Christians are under incredible pressure. So he's not going to say, stick with Jesus and I'll just, you don't, don't worry about the reasons, just trust me. Or because I said so. He's not doing that. Instead he's saying, no, we have good reason to follow Jesus. We have good reason to believe that Jesus is the only priest you'll ever 
need. We have good reason to, to never ever turn back to the Old Testament priesthood. It's supremely logical. Now, you may not like the logic of the Bible. Lots of people don't. But the problem is not with the logic of the Bible. The problem is with you. If you don't like the Bible, the problem is not with the Bible. If I don't like the Bible, the problem is not with the Bible. The problem is with me. So the author of Hebrews is saying, here's why Jesus is the only priest you'll ever need. He has four reasons for us. Four reasons why Jesus is the only priest you'll ever need. Number one, number one, his priesthood hasn't expired. His priesthood hasn't expired. This is a, this is a big deal. Starting in verse 11, now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? So he's saying, he's saying, we wouldn't have needed a priest from the order of Melchizedek if, if the priesthood from Aaron was, was able to make us perfect. What, what the author of Hebrews is saying is the, the, the priesthood that came from Aaron, the, the priesthood that God gave to Moses to give to the people, the priesthood that, that came from the family tree of Aaron, the one that we've kind of been banking on for hundreds and hundreds of years now, the author of Hebrews is saying, it's expired. And it always was going to be expired. And if we would have been paying attention, we would have realized it had a built-in expiration date. It it being dissolved, it being invalid, was always part of God's plan. Sometimes you and I make plans, and we're really going with them, and we really think they're going to work, and we get about halfway in, and we realize, oh, this ain't going to work. This this has no chance to work. And so we scrap it and start something new. That's not what happened with the Old Testament priesthood. When God scrapped it, it's because He had planned all along to scrap it at this particular time. There was a built-in expiration date. Church refrigerators are great. If you guys haven't experienced really just the ecosystem that is alive in a church refrigerator, then you really, I mean, you just, you haven't lived. Um, uh, Vern has it. Vern Vern texts me probably twice a year, and he says, we're going to need space in the fridge for an upcoming wedding or potluck or something. Can you, do you, you know, he says, he says it very kindly. He says, do you have anything in there that you need to take home? He knows full well. He's looked in there. He knows I have all kinds of stuff in there I need to take home. Who knows how long it's been in there? But he always says it very kindly. He's a very kind person um, with a terrible job. Do you, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, cleaning up after me. And so anyhow, do you have anything in there you need to take home? There's all kinds of fun stuff in that fridge. Some of it might be there because of me. Some of it's just there because, you know, we had like a church breakfast a year ago. There's, um, which this came in really handy the other day because I wanted French toast for lunch. Um, I had leftover French toast. I didn't, my wife made a bunch for breakfast, but I says, I'm not hungry now. I'm going to take it for lunch. And she goes, while I'm out the, while I'm going out the door, she says, you should, you should take some syrup. I was like, no, I don't need syrup. I'll have it plain. I, only an idiot would say that. Why would I say that? I was like, I, I don't even know anyhow. So I get to church. It's lunchtime. I'm like, I don't want this plain. That's what... And so anyhow, I look in the church fridge. And there's syrup in there. 
and it's barely expired. It expired like October of 2022. It's been expired for only three months. You do the sniff test, it's fine. It's fine. Food expiration dates are negotiable, right? That's not what... That's not what Paul's ta- or the author of Hebrews is talking about here. That's not what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. This is not a guessing game. This is not a sniff test. The priesthood of Aaron had a firm expiration date. It expired when Jesus came. In verse 18, it's going to say, this former commandment was set aside. It's set aside. Which, that sounds casual. That sounds like, oh, I'll just set this aside. Maybe I'll want it later, right? We No, that's not what set aside there means. Set aside is a, is a legal term. It means abrogated. It means to, to legally and to officially do away with it, to annul it, to repeal it. It's over. It's done. It is now legally invalid. So the, the priesthood that came from Aaron is expired. And, if we would have been paying attention, we would have known it always was going to be. This is why, this is why God said, before the priesthood even came about, that there was this Melchizedek, and there's this order of priesthood in the, in the line of Melchizedek. There's this, there's this Melchizedekian priesthood. It's a whole different thing, completely outside of Aaron. So there was proof, there was hint, there was implication all along. Aaron's priesthood was going to expire. But, verse 13, Jesus isn't part of that. For the, for the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. He has nothing to do with the Aaron priesthood. For it was evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. No conne- and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Nothing to do with, with priests in the line of Judah. So yes, the priesthood from Aaron has expired. Jesus isn't part of that. His priesthood hasn't expired. That's our first reason. His priesthood has not expired, which brings us right into number two. His priesthood never will expire. His priesthood never will expire. Continuing on in verse 15, this becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek. So how do we have just like proof that Aaron's priesthood has expired because the new priest is here now. This makes it even more evident. Verse 16, who has become a priest, Jesus has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it was witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The priesthood that came from Aaron was all about the family tree. If your dad was a priest, you're going to be a priest. And, and that's because his dad was a priest, and then his dad, and then great-great-grandpa, they, so on and so on. But those priests kept expiring. Um, I know, and you guys know, that I have a wonderful sense of humor, and that my dad jokes are actually funny. Like you, Some dad jokes are not funny. My dad jokes are actually funny. My children pretend like they're not, but I know better, um, so I just keep saying them, because... When they roll their eyes, that's really like just laughing. I know. Um, they love them. If I was into morbid dad jokes, I would make a joke something like this. The, the, the priesthood from Aaron expired, 
because all the priests from Aaron expired. Right? A little bit morbid. Super funny. Everybody knows it. But I'm not into that kind of humor. So I'm not going to say that. But this priesthood does expire because the priests keep expiring. They keep dying. The the priesthood has become invalid and a big part of the reason why because the priests keep dying. This is why perfection, verse 11 says, perfection is not attainable through the Levitical priesthood. The priesthood from Aaron could not make someone perfect. Ultimately, all it could do was point out that they weren't. We don't need help with that. Like, that's, that's, thank you. Thank you. The, but the, but, but the, the priesthood couldn't make someone perfect. It could simply point out that they weren't. And a big part of the reason why, a someone, why, why the priesthood couldn't make someone perfect is because the priest kept dying. This is what makes Jesus so special. His priesthood will never expire because he himself will never expire. Perfection has the idea of eternal perfection, of eternal salvation. We, the, the perfection has the idea of, of being justified, being forgiven by God right now, but also being right with God forever. Being safe with God forever. Being, being glorified someday. Giving, being given an, an indestructible body ourselves. There is a perfection here that the priesthood in the Old Testament could have never come close to. If we're going to have that, we need a priest who will serve forever. This is why verse 16 is so important. Because Jesus has been given his priesthood, it says at the end of that, by the power of an indestructible life. Down in verses 23 and 24, it says, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Jesus Christ has once and for all conquered death. He has the power of an indestructible life. He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And because of all this, he is the only priest you will ever need. That's our second reason. So, so the first reason was his priesthood, his priesthood hasn't expired. Second reason, his priesthood will never expire. And then number three, his priesthood guarantees a better covenant. Now, chapter eight is all about the covenant. So we're just going to talk for a minute about it here. We're going to, we're going to dive deep into it next week. But we have to see what the author of Hebrews is saying. His priesthood guarantees a better covenant. Picking up in verse 18, for on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside, it's it's legally done away with because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. They were just made priests because their dad was a priest. It was the, it was the system that God had given. But this one, Jesus, was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Verse 22. This is a sermon all by itself. We're going to try not to do that this morning, but this is a sermon all by itself. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. 
There are many ways in which the law of Moses was weak. And so, so the author of Hebrews says that it was useless. But what he means, and he, he clears that up really quickly, what he means is that it's useless to make anyone perfect. It could not make someone perfect. The, the law was perfectly successful in all that God wanted to do with it. It accomplished what God wanted it to accomplish, which is mainly show us that we need Jesus. It, it showed us how to live, it showed us the depth of our sin, and it showed us that we could not reach perfection in ourselves. So it, it, so it wasn't useless in what it was meant to do, but it was useless in making us perfect. It could never justify us. It could never sanctify us, which is, it, it, it could never actually help us to grow in godliness. It could, it could definitely never glorify us, which is give us this indestructible life ourselves, this, this, this eternal joy with God the Father. It could, it could never save us from the eternal penalty of our sin. It could never save us from the eternal power of our sin. But now we have a new covenant with God, which is like we have a new binding agreement with God. We have a new promise from God that He will be our God and we will be His people. That He will bless us and keep us forever. And this covenant comes through a new priest. A better priest. Let's look at just how much better this priest truly is. Down in verses 26-28. through 28, for, for it was indeed fitting, verse 26, it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, he has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, which means it supersedes the law, it does away with the law, this This word of the oath appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This says it was fitting that we would have a high priest who was holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. What does it mean when it says it was fitting? Does that mean we get what we deserve? No. no. It means fitting there means what we needed. Not what we deserved, but what we needed. We have been sinning and dying since the days of Adam and Eve. We have been sinning and dying since the days of Adam and Eve. And the priests from the family of Aaron, they couldn't really help us because they kept sinning and dying too. So God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might have adoption as sons. We needed a a priest who never sinned. And and we needed a priest who, who was sinless. He was unstained. He was holy. He was innocent. He was separated from sinners. And he was we, we, we need we need that priest. And we don't need him just to offer a sacrifice. We need to we need him to offer himself. We needed him to be the sacrifice to pay for all the sins that we had committed. And this is what Jesus Christ has done. This is why the the verse 28 says that this word of the oath, it appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This promise from God, this new covenant, it appoints a son 
who has been made perfect, which means he has, he has been made the, the high priest that we need. The, the, the priest that we desperately needed. The, the one that would fit the bill. The only one that could do what was, what was needed. And he became this high priest by, by taking on flesh. By humbling himself. By, by, by coming and, and being not only God, but also man. Completely God, completely man. He, he took on flesh, he faithfully obeyed his Father, and then he offered up himself for us on the cross. His, his body, his blood, a sacrifice for our sin. This makes Jesus, verse 22, the guarantor of a better covenant. Think with me about this. The, the promise that God has made with us to bless us and keep us forever, it does not depend upon us. This is why the Old Testament law had to have a built-in expiration date. Because there's no way we could keep up our end of the bargain. This new covenant does not depend upon us at all. It depends completely on Jesus Christ. Nathan Ziegler is going back to college this afternoon, so I don't care if I embarrass him. If Nathan Ziegler said, Hey, Pastor Steve, um, I think I'm going to be able to pay my, my college bill this year. I think I'm going to. I'm like, cool, good, see ya. No, no, I have more things to say. Oh, okay, great. But if I can't, what do you think about, about guaranteeing a loan for me? You know, just signing there so that if I can't pay, the creditors will come get you. What do you think about that? That sounds great. I'd love to do that. Doesn't sound scary at all. I think most of us, if we're going to guarantee a loan for someone, we're going to be 99.999% sure they're going to pay the thing. Because we don't want the creditors coming down asking us. If we're, going to, if we're going to guarantee someone's loan, we want to make sure they can pay it. Jesus guaranteed our loan knowing full well we can't pay it. Jesus knew full well that there's no way I was going to be able to keep my part of the bargain. I was never going to be able to pay what I needed to pay. He signed up to be the guarantor anyhow. My salvation does not depend upon me. It doesn't depend upon me. It depends on Jesus. So it is safe. It doesn't depend on me. It depends on Jesus. I'm saved. That's the third reason why Jesus is the only priest we'll ever need. Fourth, lastly, his priesthood saves completely and forever. His priesthood hasn't expired. His priesthood never will expire. His priesthood guarantees a better covenant, and his priesthood saves completely and forever. Verse 25 says, Consequently, because of all this, because of all this logic, because of all this reasoning, 
You're tracking with me? Because of all that we've said here, he is, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Of course the priesthood that came from Aaron is expired. Of course it's obsolete. It could never actually bring us to perfection. It could never make us eternally right with God. It could never actually help us grow in holiness. It could never get us to heaven. Of course it couldn't. But look at Jesus. Is anything too hard for him? Verse 26 says that he is holy. A few weeks ago, we talked about um, that passage in Isaiah 6. He saw the holiness of of God, and, and Isaiah just saw a vision of it, and he almost died. God is unspeakably holy, and, and Jesus is God. Jesus is the unspeakable holiness of God. The, the holiness that, that cannot make room for any kind of sin whatsoever. The, the holiness that has a standard for clean that you and I can't possibly meet. Our, our sin makes us dirty before God. Because of, because of our nature, because of what we've done, because of what we haven't done, because of what we said and thought, because of what we haven't said and thought, we are dirty before God. Clean is a funny word. Um, it's a word that uh, Saturday morning is usually our chore day at our house. Um, so it's a, it's a, there's a lot of, it's, well, it's fun. Anyhow, um, so, and, but what, what you realize is that when you're doing chores, um, clean is a word that means different things to different people. Um, um, so my wife has a very precise vision for the word, right? She has a very pre- precise definition. Um, when she thinks of something being clean, she thinks of, you know, there's a, there's a picture in her head. It's different than the picture that's in my kid's head. Um, I don't know that they have a picture in their head. Because um, sometimes she'll say, go clean the dining room. And they're like, okay, that, that's their chore for the week. They go clean the dining room. She, they say, yeah, well, I, I kind of trying to, you know, help them. I'll say, did you go back and look? They're like, yeah, I, I did it. It's done. She comes in and says, have you started yet? <laughs> I was like, you should have gone back in there. And I was like, eh. <laughs> I can, usually. I'm pretty good. I've, I've been married to her for almost 20 years, so I have a, I have a pretty good working understanding of what she's aiming for. And so um, a lot of times I'll just say, hey, you're going to you're gonna want to do that. that. That part of the room is part of the room as well, so you're going to have to, you know, take she, yeah, yeah. And so you're going to have to sweep that and mop that as well. Um, I, I can help them, I can help my children get a room clean. I can. And oftentimes, she does too. She just, she just says, okay, well, you tried. Let's do it together, you know? Because, uh, yeah. So anyhow, I can't help you become clean before God. We can, we can work together and meet a definition for clean of a dining room. Sure, we can, get, we, can, we can pool our resources and clean a dining room, for sure. Sometimes it's a family thing. Sometimes we all have to work together to get there, but we can do it. We can't 
We can't make ourselves clean before God, and we can't help each other get there. Only God himself can do that. That's, that's, that's part of what's baked into that idea of holiness, is that this is a standard that only God could actually meet. Only God can do this. And thankfully, Jesus is God. And he offered up himself. He offered up the only sacrifice that would ever be needed. If you have drawn near to God through Jesus Christ, then Christ has saved you to the uttermost, which means he has completely saved you. The the Father isn't inspecting you, looking for faults. He isn't telling you to get the cleaning supplies out and try again. He's not saying you missed a spot. You are clean. You are completely forgiven. The Father is not ashamed of you. He is rejoicing over you. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Yeah, but you don't know what I did. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Yeah, but you don't know. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Then you are completely saved. He has saved you to the uttermost. You are clean. You are forgiven. He is not ashamed of you. He rejoices over you. And, 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 He always will. Your status is not in jeopardy. Because He always lives to make intercession for us. So not only are we completely saved, if we are in Christ, we are completely saved and we always will be. Always is a, is a long time. Christ right now is making intercession for us, which means right now He is in the throne room of the Father and He is our ever-present, all-access pass to the Father. And He is always there. He is always on the job. Is Christ your Savior? If you're not sure about that question, then please, please let's get that sorted out. Please turn to Jesus as your only hope to be forgiven of your sins. His death on the cross is your only hope. Hope, please believe that. He is the only way your sins can be paid for. Is Christ your Savior? If that's true, then your salvation is going to last as long as He does. He's never going to expire. He always lives to make intercession for us. When we consider the the greatness of Jesus when we consider that the, that the almighty, eternal Son of God has humbled Himself to be the, the priest that we need, to, to be the sacrifice that we need in order, to, in order for us to be saved to the uttermost, saved completely and forever, it's, it's almost too much. He is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of all of our praise today. He is worthy of all of our praise tomorrow. He is worthy of all of our praise for as long as He lives. And He's never going to expire. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we, uh, we can call You Heavenly Father because right now, 
your son, right now your son is interceding for us. Your, your son is granting us access by his complete finished work on the cross. Help us not to be flippant when we call you Heavenly Father. Help us to remember what we have because of Christ and what we always will have because of him. Help us to rejoice today and and, and help us to, to praise the Son. To praise Him. Help us to turn our eyes to Him. Help us to trust in Him. Help us to find great joy in how wonderful He is. And help us to honor Him with the way that we live. It's in his name we pray. Amen.